Welcome to Soul Food, a podcast ministry of Calvary Chapel, Princeton, West Virginia. My pastor uh, in Tennessee, uh, we were up here seven years, almost to the day, and uh, my pastor in Tennessee had approached me and asked me to come back and serve with him, uh, where we had come from, Nashville, to when we came up here. And uh, it was a really, really hard decision, but... Uh, uh, we went, and, uh, you know, often we say, well, man, we should have just stayed up there, but, you know, but uh, anyway, I'm always glad to come back, and it, it's different for us every time, and because it's been so long, 22 years, you know, and uh, I was here a couple of years ago, and I felt like I'd come full circle because I had uh, dedicated uh, David's daughter, and here she is playing piano, and I dedicated her as a baby, and I said, well, you know, we've come all the way around, but um, some of you don't know me, and uh, you're better off, and, uh, and than those that do, but uh, we we always have fun when we come up here, and even though we're very serious about serving the Lord, my son was with me the last time. He has moved to Atlanta for a girl, what else, and uh, uh, he was saying, man, he said, you know, you seem like you just have a lot of fun when you come to Princeton, and we, and we do, and I think serving the Lord should be joyful. Um, I think that's one of the things that uh, turns a lot of people off about wanting to become a Christian in the first place, and it did for me. Because I was raised in churches where everything was so strict and everybody seemed like they were mad half the time. And Daddy said they'd been baptized in vinegar or something or, or had their halo too tight. And, uh, and you know, and, and a lot of people just act like they don't enjoy serving Jesus. And, you know, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And he wants us to learn of him. He wants us to be like him. And I, I think that's one of the things that... Uh, is most joyous to me is that Jesus has called us, and think of it, he's called you, no matter who you are, if you're listening to this and you're hearing his voice today, he's called you to learn of him and walk with him and, and be like him and to change you to be like him. And that's a wonderful thing. You don't have to be like all those religious people that you know, the ones that drive you crazy or turn you off. He wants you to be like him. And uh, that's the beautiful thing. He's called us to himself. So... Uh, I'm just, I just always always feel so blessed, and, I, and I'm always very encouraged to just to see the uh, longevity and the perseverance of you guys being here, you know, all these years and and all these new faces and the little kids, and it's just wonderful to see that God's work doesn't stop. And as part of our message today is that God's work doesn't stop. Okay, um, I, my wife asked me just to say a little bit before we get into the message. We are going to the country of Lebanon. There's a group uh, you can look them up. Don't do it now, but you can look them up called HeartForLebanon.org. They work primarily with Syrian refugees and Afghani refugees. The country of Lebanon is where my wife was born and raised. She came here when she was 13 because of the war back in the 70s. And um, now the country is in really bad shape. Parliament hasn't met in almost a year. Uh, their lira is about 30000 to a dollar. Uh, even in the city, you get electricity. They turn the electricity on and off. The, the, the government turns it on and off uh, for about three hours a day. So if you can imagine having to live like that, it's really tough. And they're having a, another problem there. It's called a brain drain where all everybody who can, who has any education or skills, is getting out of there. So doctors and engineers and, and attorneys and people, financiers, people like that are saying, I'm getting out of Dodge because I can do better. So then you're left with people that don't have skills. And then, of course, you know, people with impure motives come in and try to just take care of every, take over, you know, take advantage of the situation like the Wild West. So um, we're, we're going to be going over in uh, this, this month. You can pray for us. We're leaving on the 19th. 
my son and his girlfriend, who's also half Lebanese, half Jordanian. Um, I asked him, didn't you learn from my mistakes marrying a Lebanese? But <laughs> my wife doesn't appreciate that joke, so I try not to tell it very often, except when I'm in large numbers like this, and I can have some pretty. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but we are going over, so y'all pray for us if you think about it, and that's uh, later on this month or in October. Um, this morning, uh, I want us to look at a, a familiar passage. It's uh, Matthew chapter 11. And uh, I, I like to stand for the reading of God's word. And so if you could uh, stand with me, please, if you're able to. We're going to read through the first 19 verses of Matthew chapter 11. This happens to be uh, the next passage that we're going through in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it's coming up. Um, and I love this passage so much, I said, well, I'm going to share it in Princeton, and I get to teach it again when I get back home next week. Chapter 11 of uh, Matthew's Gospel. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John... And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did, did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The son of man comes eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Father, thank you for this passage today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you mostly for your spirit that enlightens your word to us, Lord. I pray, Lord, today as we get into this, that we can set aside any apprehensions that any of us might have, any distractions we may be thinking about. Listen to your voice, not the voice of a man. Lord, and teach us your ways. We thank you so much for all that you are doing in this church, all you've done. I thank you, Lord, for the the work in Russia. I thank you, Lord, for all the work just right around here locally. Thank you that this is a place people can come and know that they will be cared for and loved. They can be themselves. And we just pray, Lord, you bless our fellowship today. Help us hear your word. Protect us from the evil one and let us apply the things. Show us how we just don't listen to a passage and get some information, but we say, what can I do about this, Lord? And we thank you that all this is available for us to pray even to you by the blood of your dear son, Jesus, that makes it possible by his death on the cross for us and proof of his holiness by his resurrection from the dead and his ascension to you. We look forward to his return as we study these things and thank you for all these things, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Now, so this is about 
as you can if you can kind of pick up from the story here, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's training them. If you look at the previous chapter, he's giving them a lot of warning. He's saying you're going to be hated by all men, but for my name's sake. He tells them you know not to take extra money. He's telling them what to do. And then it says he finished commanding his twelve, and he de- that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Okay. So there was a time for him to prepare them, and there was a time for everyone to step out, including himself. We see here that Jesus is doing the same thing he had sent them to do. Have you ever had a supervisor that they never want to help at work? No? You haven't? Maybe, and the supervisor wants you to do all the work, but they don't ever jump in to help you do the work? Well, Jesus is not like that. Jesus sends us into a work, but he's doing the same thing. He's done so much more even, and he's with us as we go. But we see that there was a time for him to prepare the disciples, and then there's a time to get to work. You know, a lot of people sit in church for years, fill their heads with all kinds of Bible knowledge, have so many apps on their phone, their computer. They can quote it back to you, but sometimes don't get to work actually going out and getting into the field and working for the gospel and bringing people in. So there's a time to prepare, and then there's a time just to get to work. So Jesus prepared these guys. He sends them out, and he does the very same thing. But verse 2, we want to kind of focus on this part here today about John the Baptist. And it says, When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, if you just look at this story for a minute and think, you've got two scenarios going on. You've got John. He's been living out, out, out in the wilderness. He's kind of a wild man, you know. He's out there. He's eating the locusts and the wild honey, and he's preaching. And all of a sudden, he's caged. Can you imagine somebody who's been living out there, and all of a sudden, he's, he's in the city. He's in a dungeon, a first-century Roman jail cell. And he's in here, and he's kind of trapped, if you will, okay. Meanwhile, Jesus is out here with his disciples, and they're doing all kinds of work. They're doing miracles. He's preaching the word. So you've got John is confined. Jesus is out here being free. And sometimes you might kind of feel like your life is kind of like John's. And you might say, well, I've got things in my life. I want to scoot this back just a little bit here, if you know, man. You, you might feel like there's something in your life that has you trapped. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you've got legal problems. Maybe it's who knows what. But you feel like you're kind of stuck. And then you look out here and you see these other people, and God is blessing them. So why do they get blessed? Why do they get the good job? Why does he get to date the good-looking girl? Why does this, is this person having all this? Why are these things happening and I'm not? And so John was kind of in this situation where he's looking at what Jesus is doing, and he's looking at his situation, and John is having some questions. And you and I might do that sometimes. We might look around and see that every, these other guys have it good, and I don't. What's going on here? Okay, now we just, if you don't know the story, and probably most of you do, John here is John the Baptist. He's the one who had baptized Jesus. He's the one who was the forerunner or the advanced man, so to speak, who came before Jesus and was preaching, saying that the Messiah of Israel, the Savior, was coming. Okay, and John was pretty bold, and he would call, these people would come in to repent, and he would call them a bunch of snakes, a brood of vipers. You know, and he would say, what are you doing here? Well, who called you in here? I mean, imagine that if Pastor Bill or John gets up there and goes, what are you doing in church, you old rascal? Who told you to come? You know, and, and, and you say, man, I don't know if I want to come up. John, but when he preached that, people repented because their hearts were, were, were cut by the gospel and the truth. They knew he was a man of God. 
Well, one of the things that John did was he called out King Herod. Now, just so you know, King Herod was not really a king. He called himself a king of the Jews, but he wasn't even Jewish. He was an Edomite. The Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Remember when uh, Rebekah was carrying the two children in her womb, the twins? Remember that, right? And it was prophesied that these guys are going to fight. They're not going to get along. Jacob became the father of Israel. Esau became the father of the Edomites and down down in Moab in the southern part there. And so Herod was actually a descendant of the Edomite. He was an Edomite. He was one of those guys. So there was still, you see, this, this, this clash and this competition that was going on even generations later. Okay. Well, one of the things that Herod had done, though, is he claimed that he had converted to Judaism. He claimed, well, I'm Jewish now. I'm a Jew now, but, but he never kept it. He would come to the feasts to appease people. Have you ever heard of the Herodians in the Bible? The Herodians and the Sadducees, they were the people who, who uh, identified with Rome. They, were kind of, you know, they, they leaned over with the Roman oppressors and this kind of thing. And Herod was one of those guys. Well, he was actually, he, was, he, he wasn't a Jew, but he identified with those people. So the Herodians and the Sadducees, they liked Herod. Problem was, Herod didn't do anything holy. And what, one of the things he did was he took his brother's wife, which was unlawful, and John rebuked him for it publicly and said, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now, he's not talking about Roman law. Romans didn't care how many wives you had. Okay, They, they didn't care. He's talking about the law of God. And he said, if you're going to be a, a, a true follower of the, of the law of the Lord, you have to keep the law. And Herod was breaking the law, and he was breaking it publicly. Well, his wife didn't like that. She had him arrested, and ultimately she had him put to death. Okay, So that's the scenario. That's why John was in prison, because he spoke out against this, this wicked king. Okay, Now, all of Israel was awaiting Messiah. They, they, they knew that, that, that something was up. They'd heard the stories about the wise man that had come. 30 years earlier, they came over and followed the star, and all these rumors were going around, and this boy John the Baptist was born to this, this couple that was you know, really, really old, way too old to have children, and even when he was born, people would say, what kind of baby is this going to be? And there were all kinds of these rumors flying around. People knew something was going on. John's out here preaching, and people were coming to him and saying, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Are you the Christ? And John said, I am not one of the things we love about John is he didn't try to steal glory for himself. He said, I'm not the guy. Don't look at me. He said, but there's one coming. So John knew, okay, that the Messiah was coming. But I really believe that John here was being challenged by his own circumstances. Even though he knew, he knew. The Bible says that when uh, his mother, who was old, came to Mary, and Mary is carrying Jesus in her womb, and, and Elizabeth is carrying John the Baptist in her womb, that the baby John the Baptist in utero, in the womb, leaped because he had been filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb, the Bible said. The angel told her, told Elizabeth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even inside of you. So when, and, and Jesus said, and this is something that's really, really important, Jesus said that the job of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus. Not to make you run circles and roll in the floor and act weird like you might see on TV or you've seen in some churches. The Holy Spirit has not given us to make us weird. The Holy Spirit has given us to make us like Christ, to always testify of Christ, to understand Christ, to see him more clearly and to follow him. So when John's mother encounters the mother of Jesus and the baby leaps, he even in, in utero he's testifying this is the Christ. This is the Christ. And so when Jesus came 
walking down the this shore of Galilee, and he tells uh, the people standing by, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He said, he's not just saying, there he goes, check him out. He's saying, fix your gaze. Behold means study him. Don't take your eyes off of him. This is the one. So John knew that he wasn't the Messiah. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. And John also knew when he testified to these people, he said, Jesus will increase, but I must decrease. John knew that his, his importance was become, going to become less and less and less as Jesus became more prominent and Jesus was teaching and showing everyone the Father. Jesus was going to die on the cross for the sins of, of everyone, of the world. But John's importance was going to diminish. And he said, he must, inc he must increase, I must decrease. Now, probably most of us have probably prayed something similar like that. And we've said, Jesus do whatever you have to do in my life so that you may be glorified. Have you ever prayed that? Anybody? Anybody? You didn't know what you were saying, did you? I don't think John totally knew what he was saying. And, and I think when we, we say, Lord, use me however you want to, and then God starts to use us in a way that we don't like. Anybody pay attention? God starts to use us in a way that we don't like, or maybe we get embarrassed at work, or our family cuts us off, or who knows what. God is using us in some way that we're not too comfortable with. And we're saying, hey, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. And I think that's kind of what was happening with John because he sent two of his own disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one or do we look for somebody else? This was looking bad. This was looking really bad. And I, I, I want to say here too for a minute, I don't think this was just for John's sake because I think down in John's heart he knew he had seen the dove. That's why I even used to come here years ago and he said, why do you all have that bird on everything up here? Because it represents the story of the dove descending and landing on Jesus. And John said the one, that the Spirit had told him, whoever you see the dove landing on, that's the one, that's the Messiah. John knew Jesus was the Messiah. But John was going through a hard time. He would start, well, maybe this thing's not working out. If he is the Messiah, why isn't he getting me out of here? I thought the Messiah was going to come and kick all the Romans out. I thought the Messiah was going to come and set up a new kingdom of Israel like David and Solomon and all the glory and all the power and all the wonderful things. So he's kind of saying, what's going on here? But I really believe that even more importantly, in a, in a big way, that this was for the sake of the two disciples that John sent. They had to know. Are you the one? Because John's going to die. It's going to be over. He's checking out. He's leaving. But his disciples are going to be going to be left behind. And the disciples are going to be having to deal with the aftermath and 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 saying, What was that all about? Why did God let John die? Why did he let this wicked man get the upper hand on him? Why did this happen? And his disciples are going to be left around going, we thought Jesus was going to get John out of prison. We thought Jesus was going to change everything. And I really believe that this episode here was as much for these two disciples as it was for anyone else. And maybe you found yourself in that situation where you're like, what's going on here? I thought things would be different, and they're not. Now what do I do? What do I do? How do I deal with this? Now, notice here that Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, 
The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Notice Jesus does not answer their question directly. You see that? So many times they come to Jesus and they ask him a question, and it almost sounds like he's ignoring them, or he's not paying attention. And they're going, yeah, Jesus, but, okay, we, we see all this, but, but are you the guy? we got to know. And Jesus said, go and tell John what you see and hear. Now, Jesus never wasted words. The Bible doesn't waste words. Why did Jesus say this? Why did Jesus say these things? Notice what he said. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus is sort of going back to square one in his own ministry, if you think about it. Remember when Jesus was baptized, what was the next thing he did? Remember? He went into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil, right? He came out of the wilderness and he came back to his hometown and he came to the synagogue and it tells us in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit of Gal to Galilee and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written, listen, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus here is referring back to the very same scripture that he started his ministry with. He said, this is why I've come. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he read it. Not only did he read it that day. See, they had scheduled readings, kind of like we do, okay, because we go verse by verse. So when it was his, they handed him the verse, and he read this, and he, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me for these things. And he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He had begun his public ministry. It was about to get started. So when the disciples of John come a couple of years later and say, what's going on? Jesus is referring to this same passage. He's saying, I'm still on track. And what Jesus was doing was he was quoting Isaiah 61. Let me read that to you just to keep it in, reference, in context here. This is the passage Jesus was quoting from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord of God. God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So what Jesus is doing is he's saying, you go tell John what you see. And John will know 
that what is happening is the fulfillment of the prophecy that I read back in Nazareth when I started my ministry. Nothing has changed. I am still on track. God is still on track. Yeah, John's in prison. Yeah, John's going to die. But God is still at work. God is still at work. Okay? Now, you might not like the way God is working, but God is at work. So these, and, and I love this verse, next verse, verse 6, Jesus said, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. If you know who an old preacher is named Vance Havner, you're fortunate. If you don't, look him up. Vance Havner's been dead for many years, and he's a wonderful old, old preacher. And he calls this the ninth beatitude. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Or blessed is the one who does not get upset by the way Jesus does his business. Okay? God is going to work, but we don't always like it. Let's just let, let's be honest. Jesus said, you will be hated by all men for my namesake. But we don't like it. And somebody says something to us ugly on Facebook, and we don't like it, right? Or we don't get invited to certain situations, and we don't like it. Or somebody disagrees with us because we believe the Bible, and we don't like it. When the truth is, this is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And we have to be realistic enough and mature enough to say, God's work, if I prayed and surrendered myself to His Lordship and say, God, have your way in my life, work in my life, use me as you will, show me my gifts and show me how to be faithful and diligent with my gifts, then there are going to be times when, just like these disciples, you're going to through situations that you don't like and your flesh doesn't like and you wish things were different, just like John didn't want to be in jail. And his disciples sure didn't want their captain to be in jail. I always wondered why these guys were still following John when Jesus said, John said, Jesus is a Messiah. But they're still following John. That's beside the point. But, but Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Do you get offended because of Jesus? Do you get offended? Are there things in the Bible that make you squirm? Are there things where you just get convicted and busted? And you don't like it. And he says, if your brother is angry with you, go and make things right. And we go, I don't like that. Jesus, you don't know what he did to me. I'm, I, they need to apologize to me. I don't have to apologize. To, that, that probably doesn't affect anybody here, but it has me. Right? Right? There are things in the Bible that just, the truth is, they just go against our flesh. Right? I mean, let, let's face it. And the scripture says that the spirit and the flesh war against each other. These two are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you want to. Now, one time when I was a young believer, a false teacher told me, he said, well, you know, the Bible says flesh and spirit, they're going to clash, and you're just never going to be able to do all the things that God wants you to do because your flesh is going to fight it. You know, that's the opposite of what that scripture means. What the scripture says is the spirit and the flesh are going to fight. So if you follow the Lord, you can't do the things that your flesh wants to do. You hear that? You can't be following the flesh. You can't serve two masters. You can't. And these things will be offensive to us. And even some preachers, somebody might be listening to me and say, well, I don't like that. Well, it just kind of proves the point, doesn't it? that there are things in the Bible that go against our flesh. And, and Jesus said, Blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. 
Is the path that you walk one that maybe you never would have chosen for yourself? Maybe, you know, there are things in your life that say, I don't, I don't like this. And then or maybe you've taken a, a step or two or a direction, and then you get down the road and you say, well, I see that God was at work the whole time. God was directing me in this. How about these days we live? How many of you remember the Jack Chick comic books? Anybody here? Besides me and John Coffey. And, and you read those, right? And you thought this is what the end times are going to be like, right? How many of you read the Left Behind books or saw the movies, right? Yeah, that's what the end times are going to be like. You didn't think the end times were going to be like this, did you? Right? I mean, and I believe we seriously could be living in in the end times. I do. I'm not a date setter. There's so much. If you look at what's going on in the Middle East, you look at what's going on with technology, bioethics, uh, biotechnology. You look at what's going on in the world financial systems, all this stuff that's really going on, okay, when you're not distracted by things like uh, America's Got Talent or whatever, and, and, you're, and you're paying attention to what's really going on in the world re- regarding prophecy. You see, we seriously could be, and I believe we are, living in the end times, Okay. I mean, things have gotten considerably worse in the last two or three years, as we know, okay? And my friend Brian Machochin down in Franklin, I love, the pastor down there, he said, listen, somebody's got to be the last generation. What if it's us? What if it is us? Will we say, Jesus, I'm offended. I don't like this. I want to go back. I want to go back like it was 20 or 30 years ago. I want to go back like it was when I was a kid, you know, when, when, when America was a different place. And let me tell, I'm going to tell you something. You know, Jesus didn't come to save America. He came to save Americans and Germans and Mexicans, Lebanese and Indians and Pakistanis and everybody else. But he's not concerned about setting up a, a, an earthly political system any more than he was trying to restore the kingdom of David to these people. He wants to set up the kingdom of God in our hearts. He wants us to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and for us to repent of carnal things and fleshly things and material things that have really very little to do with the Bible at all. And that's why he said, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And he told these disciples, Leave your family business. Leave your fishing business and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, if the cross was an instrument of death, he might as well have said, might as well have said, hey, hang a noose around your neck, you know, and go. Because you're probably going to die for this. And 10 of the 12 did. They died for this. And, and, he, and he was serious about it. And not only them, but, but countless, countless others have had to pay the ultimate price to follow the Lord Jesus. So he says, don't be offended by the way I'm working in your life. And these people, John was in prison and he wasn't happy about it. The disciples of John were in prison and they weren't happy about it either. So look at verse 7 as the story moves on. It says, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Now notice here, the disciples of John have left, but the other people are still standing around. And they're saying, yeah, what's going on? What about John? What's that about? What, what is this? And you know, people are watching us. People are watching Christians. They're watching believers. They're watching the church world. And they're saying, what's going on over here? What's happening here? And guess what? They deserve an explanation. Sometimes we feel like, well, they won't understand. They're just, 
carnal psychos, right, Dave? They, 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 they don't understand. They don't get it. But people are looking at it, and they're saying, well, yeah, what's going on? Jesus looked at this group who had been going out to see John the Baptist, and Jesus said, why did you go out to see John? What were you expecting? What were you expecting when you went out to see John? What are you expecting when you come to church? What are you expecting when you, when you open your Bible or you listen to a preacher on a, on a podcast? What are you expecting? See, God wants to have his way in our lives, not because he's heavy-handed or, or bossy or wants any of these things, but he loves us so much, and he knows that if we hold on to our own ways, we're never going to get anywhere. We can stay stuck and even be lost. He wants to come into our and flood our lives with his love, with his presence, with his spirit, so he's asking these people, why did you go out to hear John to begin with? What were you expecting? And then he uses a couple of different examples. He says, a reed shaken by the wind. You know what? That, you, you ever hear of somebody, they're blowing this way and they're blowing that way. And James talks about the unstable man, you know, who asks of God and he's, he's unstable in all of his ways. And he blows with this opinion and he blows with that opinion. And you can watch the news and you say, well, I agree with Fox, and you say, no, I agree with CNN, and then you're you're just you know you're blowing. Or this preacher said this, no, this preacher said that, and you're just blowing back and forth, and you don't know who you are or what you believe or what you think or anything. But John was not that guy. In fact, he was steadfast in his message. He kept to the it's true to the end. Okay, even no matter what it cost, it not only cost him his life, it cost him his public ministry. Think of that. He had, he had, he lost his public ministry. It cost him everything. And when we follow the Lord, it might cost us everything. It might cost you reputation. People might think you're a fool. People, you know, you don't know what it's going to cost you, but you have to be willing to say, I'm going to take up the cross. I'm going to go with you, Lord, and you are the one calling the shots. You're the one steering the ship. You're the one that's going to guide me. Hey, I've said this lots of times. I never even want to be a pastor. I want to be a bass player. That's the truth. I don't want to be a preacher. Who would want to be a preacher? You know, I just watch those guys on... TBN and other guys had those big old sideburns and those horrible yellow suits and you know back in 1979 when I became a Christian I said who in the world would want to live like that and I, I'd like they'd be, I'd be out of your mind to want to be one of those guys you know but I didn't understand what following Jesus was about and when you take your yoke take his yoke and walk he starts to show you what it means to walk with him what it means to love people. And he changes you. He changes your mind. He changes your heart. And you just want to be a disciple of Jesus. That's all you want. And if he opens up and he sends you to Bible college, he'll send you to Bible college. If he sends you on a mission trip, he'll send you on a mission trip. If he asks you to work with, with eighth graders, then you pray real hard and you go work with the eighth graders. Okay? But, but he'll, he, will, he will put you where he wants you to be. Okay? Then Jesus said, but what did you go out to see? Verse 8, a man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. John was rough. He wore what he could. He ate what he could. He said, "If you want those guys that wear soft clothes, expensive clothes, you know, nice silky satiny things, those guys are in the king's house. How do they get in the king's house? By telling the king what he wants to hear. By being the king's yes man. Was John the king's yes man? Absolutely not. He said, "You you want to go see something fancy, something impressive?" Go downtown. Go to the shows. Go to where the money is. You want to see something impressive? John was not something impressive. He was not something that the world was impressed with. The world is impressed with the world. Jesus said that, he said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. 
And some of us, we're so worried about the world. Hey, it just might be the people at work. We want them to love us. It might be our peer group in our career. We want them to love. It might be our family. It might be the neighborhood. We want them to approve us and appreciate us. Jesus said, you'll be hated by all men for my name's sake. I mean, that's what Jesus said. Then finally, I love this one. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. He's quoting the book of Malachi that the, that the forerunner was going to come before the Messiah. Now, I'm going, to take, I'm going to ask this question. Why was John more than a prophet? Why was he more than a prophet? Because it says here, this is he of whom it is written. John was prophecy fulfilled. He was more than a mouthpiece. He was the fulfillment of prophecy. I want to ask you a question. There's a big party coming. All expenses paid. They're going to come pick you up. They're going to take you there, put you in a hotel, feed you, live entertainment, and they give you this beautiful invitation. I mean, it's on gold. It's so nice. It's got your name. It's printed. Okay, this is the invitation, and that's the party. Which would you rather have, the invitation or the party itself? You want to go to the party, right? John was more than the prophet telling about the party was coming. John was the party. John was prophecy fulfilled. And so what Jesus is saying here is just as I am fulfilling everything that I said I was going to that was written in the prophets of me, the blinder had their eyes open, people, the liberty to the captives, John is prophecy fulfilled. And this is why it's so important that John was more than just a man, another preacher with another message. He was saying the kingdom of heaven is here, the Messiah is here, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John was prophecy fulfilled. It's happening now in front of you. And I want to tell you something, guys. It's happening now in this room at 114 Gott Road in front of you today. The Word of God is being fulfilled. And the, the liberty to the captives is here. Opening the blind eyes is here. If you will receive it. If you will receive it. Look at verse 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The people rightly knew John was a prophet. They, they, they knew he was a prophet. They knew he had come from God. He had been filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. Okay? And we always already talked about how that he testified, even as an embryo, he testified of Jesus Christ. Okay? But how was he greater than all the other prophets? Because he was, the, he was the Old Testament prophet. He was the Old Testament prophet, if you will, who introduced the bridegroom to the bride. He introduced the bridegroom to the bride. How many of you had a, 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 a good friend that introduced you and your spouse? Some, some of you maybe. Okay? Nobody's going to admit that, okay? Or maybe you don't want to think about it. Okay. But John was the guy who says, here is the bridegroom. And all these people who are listening, including you and me, the bride of Christ, are listening. And he's, a, he's the one who's handing making the introduction. And that's why he was more important than any of those prophets. He was the guy, flesh and blood, who showed up and said, here he is. He presented the Messiah to Israel. For, from, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What is in the world does this mean? 
The kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The um, Greek gives a, a little more accurate indication, uh, explanation of this text. What it means is that if you're entering into the kingdom, you don't enter passively. You're not going to saunter in. It, but you will make an effort, okay? You will be focused. You will have intention. Because even Jesus, when he preached, he would, he would quote a verse and he'd say, go find out what that means and I'll have mercy and not judgment. Go find out what it means. Make an effort. How many people come to church and they think coming to church is enough? It got me here. I'm in church. Coming to church and coming to God are two different things. Coming to church and coming to God are two different things. Probably most, I sat in church years and years and years. My parents would take me to church. Well, Pentecostal churches over in McDowell County. I'd sit back there and they'd be giving those altar calls and everybody up here crying and they, you know, praying and everything. And my knuckles would be white. I'm holding on to the back of the pew and I am not going. I am not going. I didn't. I never, you know, was, I was afraid of God. I didn't trust Him. I didn't know what it might do if I followed the Lord. I was a young boy, 10, 12, 13, 14. Jesus is calling us to come and to come to him and say, I want to go. Just like these men, they left their nets. Matthew left his tax office. They came. We're coming. We're going. We're going to follow you, Jesus. Whatever it takes, we're going to follow you, Jesus. And it might be rough. It might be you might have some opposition. Here where he talks about entering, you know, violent men take it by force or they lay hold of it. Now, don't, don't think it's going out and getting a gun and, you know, something like that. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's just saying you have to take hold of it and you have to make an effort. It's certainly not of works, lest any man should boast. But all we're doing is we're, we're, we're saying I will receive the thing you're, you're offering me. Yes, I will receive this. Remember when Peter... Jesus wanted to wash his feet. And Peter said, no, 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 you can't wash my feet, Jesus. You know, you're, no, 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 you're, you're too good for that, Jesus. Don't wash my feet, man. And he said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. You've got to let me touch you. Now, see, those people believe that the foot was the dirtiest part of the body. Okay? As in back then, if you, uh, I don't know if I should say this in church or not, but I will. Never stop me before it a bill. Is that, that if, if, you, if, you, if you showed somebody the bottom of your foot, it was like flipping them the bird, right? It was like just a real insult because they thought that the, the foot was the dirtiest part of the body, right? So that's why when Moses, and the Lord said, take your shoes off, Moses, you're on holy ground. It wasn't because Moses was going to get God dirty with his dirty shoes. That's silly. We can't get God dirty. God said, I want my holiness to touch you. I want my holiness to touch the worst part of you. Peter, I want to wash your feet. If you don't let me wash your feet, Peter, if you don't let me touch the worst part of you, then you don't understand what I'm here for. I want to touch you everywhere. All your pain, your fears, your temptations, your confusion, your doubts, all everything, your you know, discouragement, things that happened when you were a kid that you never talked about, I want to touch it. I want to minister to you. Take hold of this that you're being offered. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has, who has the ears, let him hear. He had already talked about, you know, Elijah was going to come before the Messiah. And, and there's some, I, I admit this is a, 
a, a passage that has a lot of um, discussion about it. Some people believe that the two prophets in Revelation 11, that one of them is going to be Elijah returning because he never died. He was taken up, as we know, in the whirlwind. But then Jesus says to these people listening, he said, To what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. Now, he's not necessarily talking to the disciples that are receiving him as much as he's talking to the society that they're in Okay, at this time. And he said, you're like children. Now, it's good to be childlike in the kingdom, isn't it? Jesus said that uh, you know you have to become as a child. To, but, but in this instance, he's saying you're childish. It's not a good thing to be like a children. He said you're childish. What, a child, what does a childish, pers- childish person do? They demand their own way, don't they? You ever met a childish adult, right, or a little kid? They just want their way. They just want their way. They want their way, and that's all there is to it. And he says, you people are too demanding. You know, we played the flute for you. You know, say, hey, here's a happy tune. Yeah, we don't want a happy tune. Get out of here with your happy tune. I don't want it. Or we play you a sad tune, you know, and you can get real serious and thoughtful. We don't want a sad tune either. Well, what do you want? You can't please these people. You can't satisfy these people. I'll tell you what they want. They want their own way. That's what they want. They're demanding. They want it their way. How many of us? We want it our way, and we become offended in Jesus when Jesus doesn't do it my way. I came to the Lord. I had a list for him. Did you? I want a good-looking girl from California. I got that. I want to be a successful musician. I didn't get that. I want to have plenty of money. I didn't get that. I want to have no troubles in my life. I didn't get that. I want to be really good looking. I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> but we, we come to the Lord and we think if I serve God, God's going to bless me with everything I ever wanted. And pe- preachers will even say, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And we act like it's a magic word. Simon says, God. Hey, I said Simon says. I said Jesus' name. you got to do it. He said Ask anything in my name, according to my nature. Anything that reflects who I am and what I'm like. See, some of the things that we need to be asking in Jesus' name are, Jesus, help me forgive that person that's hurt me. Jesus, help me overcome these lusts. Jesus, help me overcome this addiction, this habit. Jesus, help me apologize to that person help me forgive myself help me move forward help me accept your lordship in my life those are the things that we ask according to his name but asking for material things the lust of the eye the lust of the flesh the pride of life help me get that job because if i get that big salary lord i'll tithe lord i'll give lord give me that swimming pool and i'll use it to baptize people (laughs) and you know I mean, we, we, ask, we ask for the silliest things sometimes instead of asking for the things that he really, really wants for us. And he said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Learn. Be my disciple. Walk with me. Let me teach you. Let me show you. Not what the world's showing you. Not what the latest movie is or what's trending on television. or what. That doesn't matter. What does Jesus want for us? What does Jesus want for us?
You people are childish. You can't be satisfied. You only want your own way. And try as you like when you follow Jesus, it's not about getting your own way. It's not. It's about him having his way. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a dude that eats too much, drinks too much, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He's hanging out with the wrong people. Jesus said, but wisdom is justified of her children. What does that mean? Wisdom is justified of her children. We'll see who's wise and who's not. We'll see who's wise. Wisdom produces wise children. If you're wise, if you hear the Lord, if you receive, if you'll hear his voice, the fruit of wisdom will be evident in your life. And people will say, there's a wise person. There's a disciple of Jesus. That person is like Jesus. I can tell they're staying close to the Lord. They're hearing from the Jesus. And they're, and they're taking us seriously. Now, we all make mistakes. We all do dumb stuff. Ask Bill if I ever do dumb stuff. He'll tell you. He'll just laugh and say, I learned it from him. But we all do. We all make mistakes. We all get in the flesh sometimes. We all, we all make decisions we shouldn't. But when it comes down to it, are we following the Lord? Are we willing to let him have his way in our lives? I'm going to break this sermon. I like to do this. Just If you're a note taker, I see a couple of you taking notes. There are kind of four groups in this, if you will, in this story. The, the first group, there's a man by himself, and that's John. That's John the Baptist. He's in a battle. He's in a battle by himself, and he's in a battle that could destroy him, he thinks. And it took his life, but it fulfilled his ministry. Think of that. It took his life, but it fulfilled his ministry. And that, that's, don't you want your ministry fulfilled? Whatever it takes. So John's in that group by himself, and he's, he's in the thick of it, okay? The second group here are the disciples of John. And they're affected directly by the trial that John is in. Sometimes you are directly affected by the trial that someone else is in. Uh, we have uh, some friends, a uh, pastor who, who passed away suddenly. The church is affected by that, right? We have, uh, you know, maybe something happens and your, your company goes bankrupt. You know, your boss is laying everybody off. Well, he's got more problems than you do, believe me. <laughs> you might think this is affecting you, but it's affecting him in a bigger way. But it's still affecting you. So these people are being affected by the trial that John is, 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 is going through, and they need some clarity. That's why they come and say, are you the one? What do we do now? Are you the one? They need to know. And we need to know. Sometimes we need some answers. What do I do next, Lord? What do I do when the pastor dies? What do I do when my mom has to go in the a, in a home? What do I do when my husband doesn't want to work it out? What do I do when my child is on drugs and doesn't talk to me? What do I do next when somebody else is going through something and I'm having to deal with all the ripples of it? What do I do? Then you get the multitudes. These people are standing around going, yeah, what's going on? What about John? You get this multitude. What's going on? The world is watching. The world is watching us. And we need to walk worthy of our calling so that they don't look at us and go, yeah, they're a bunch of flakes, a bunch of fakes, a bunch of hypocrites. You know, if, if we will walk what we say, and be kind and gentle and loving and patient and allow the real fruit of the Spirit to make us generous, kind, loving, faithful, patient people the way Jesus is, then they can't come around and say, yeah, they're hypocrites. They'll say, no, that one's real. And I'm sure that even... If, how many of you fought the Lord for a long time like I did? 
But down in your heart, you knew there were some real Christians, didn't you? You knew a couple of people, and you go, yep, I can't argue. That one is the real deal. I can't find anything ever wrong with this person. We want to be those people. We really do. We're still going to make mistakes, but we want to be the real deal. And then the final group here was Jesus himself. He, he stands alone. And what is Jesus doing? He said, you go tell John the things I said I started to do, I'm still doing. The things that God spoke in the scripture and the prophecy that he was going to do, God is doing it. The work is going on. You can trust the scriptures. You can trust the word of God and don't be offended when things don't go your way. When things don't work out your way. Listen, guys, it happens to me too. It happens to me. I go through sometimes, you know, a, a, a challenge and, and I go, What's, what am I going to do, Lord? What's next, Lord? How does this affect me, Lord? How does this affect my career, Lord, my health, my family, my finances? How does it affect me, Lord? I go through it too. But don't be offended because Jesus is at work in your life. And in these days, when we're, we don't know what's next is coming around the corner, do we? Another Omicron variant, you know, uh, another mandate from the government, some other country. What's Russia going to do next? What's going to happen with the, you know, digital currency? You know, what? what? We don't know. We don't know what's coming next. We find ourselves in these situations. And yet, these are the days that the Lord chose to put us into. God chose for you to be here today. He didn't allow you to live on happy days in 1955 with Potsy and those guys. He wants us right here today where we are now. Now, will we be faithful with it? Will we be faithful with what he's given us today or will we be offended? Maybe some of you here, maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you say, hey, I just came to church because somebody made me or I came out of curiosity. And I want to ask you, what did you come to church to see? What did you come to see? I want to tell you, prophecy is being fulfilled. The word of God is going forth. The gospel is going forth. I don't know everybody here because it's been a little while. My wife was saying she hadn't been here about three or four years with you guys. Maybe there's some of you here and you, and you haven't even committed your life to the Lord yet. What'd you come for? A song service? A preacher to hear some music? Maybe you thought they were having food today? You know, I don't know. Or do you want to see prophecy fulfilled in your life? Are you willing to let Jesus be what Jesus wants to be? And I want to tell you something. You can trust Jesus. He will not fail you. People will fail you. Your parents will fail you. Your spouse might fail you. Your boss might fail you. Your closest family members might fail you. Jesus will never fail you. He will never break his word to you. You might go through situations like this where you don't like it. John's in prison. But he will never fail you. He will never, ever let you down. And you can trust him with your future. You can trust him with what the kids at school think about you or your neighbors or your cousins or people online or anybody else. You can trust Jesus with all of that. And I just want to encourage every one of you that you can let Jesus minister to you, even if you have to endure trials. And you might be going through something hard today. But Jesus wants to minister to you, and he wants to give you that robe of righteousness. He wants to clothe you with that robe of righteousness so you don't have to be ashamed. 
You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, first thing they noticed that they were naked and they were ashamed. But I love it that the Scripture says that God will clothe us. He will cover our shame. You don't have to be ashamed. And I've done some bad stuff in my life. I mean, I did some stuff. I, would, I, wouldn't, I don't even talk about it, think about it. But you know what? Jesus has covered my shame, and he'll cover your shame if you let him. But you have to take hold of that that's being offered to you today. Now, you know, sometimes, you know, churches, they'll say, everybody close their eyes, everybody bow their head. You know, it was easy for me to hide like that because everybody had their heads bowed. And I just hunker down in the back seat and wait for the music to stop, then I go home. If you think you want to follow the Lord today, this is the safest place where you're going to get the most encouragement from people that love you and care for you with everybody just with the lights on and no music and everybody's looking around. If you say, I want to follow this Jesus. I want to let him teach me his ways. I want to be his disciple. I want to be his student. You can do that today. You can do that right now. All you got to do, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to point anybody out. All you got to do is lift your hand up, and we'll pray with you after church. Anybody at all? Anybody just say, I want to follow Jesus. I'm kind of worried about the days we're in. I'm worried about where my life is. Hey, guys, I'm 63 almost. You know, I'm in Social Security land. I just now went full-time. At, I'm getting old enough to retire, and I just now went full-time at the church, you know. And my life's not a, a, a basket of roses or a bucket of peaches or whatever. And I have to just trust Jesus just like you all do. I have to trust him every day. Is there anybody here that says, I just want to be able to say, I want to, I want to be able to trust Jesus from here on out? Anybody? It's the best place to do it, right here. Well, I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Bill here. I have a word of prayer, and I'm going to hand it back over to him. He didn't tell me how to close out service. So, Father, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is being fulfilled. I thank you that you're moving forward and you keep all your promises from the prophecies. You keep all the ministry that Jesus said, this is why I've come to preach the gospel to the needy. And we're all so needy, Lord. No matter how much money we have, we need you. And we're often blind and can't see what we need to. But you said, I will open your eyes. I will set you free. I will show, teach you my ways. And Lord, teach us your ways. Help us walk in you. Help us to be the people you've called us to as we just call on your name and trust you for the leading that we need. We thank you for all these things. I thank you for this church that we may and I love so much. We have such good memories here, Lord. So many wonderful saints and good times we laugh about. Tough times we weathered together. And here we are standing in you, trusting that you are coming soon fulfilling your word to your people and what a blessing to know all these things that we can pray in the name of your dear son Jesus Amen God bless you all